Welcome to the Core Creation Podcast. With this podcast, we hope to promote local creative businesses and people. I am your host, Geraldine Hennessy, and today I am joined by Claire Marie Barton in her beautiful sound healing cabin overlooking the breathtaking Longstrand in West Cork. Claire is a sound healer, musician, and author who uses the simple yet powerful energy of sound to help people step out of the drama of their lives and guide them to a place of calm and inner peace. She does this through sound healing, teaching the ukulele, workshops, retreats, and sharing her writing and songs. In this episode, we learn about her interesting work, how the loss of her first baby became a transformative event for her, the importance of self-expression and taking time out, and she imparts some very sage advice. So you're very welcome to Cork Creative Clare. Hi Geraldine, thanks a million for having me. Great to be here. Can you explain to us a little about what sound healing is and what you do as a sound healer? Yeah, so sound healing is is the therapeutic use of sound. So we have like music, we know how that affects our emotions and how we can feel good when we feel play our lively kind of dance music. And then other times we you know, if we broke up with someone, we put on all the sad songs. So we know how it affects how it affects our emotions. But sound healing then is, is kind of taking it a step further because it's the intentional use of the sound frequencies to bring healing, to bring relaxation to the body, mind and spirit. So it's it's really acting on the nervous system to relax us. Mm-hmm. Um, And it can help with things like trauma, grief, loss, really, it can get into those places where we can't necessarily go other ways. Um, I suppose maybe in medicine, the kind of the thing that happens when we when we experience emotional upheavals is we we get medication that kind of numbs those feelings Mm -hmm. so that we can we can get on with our lives. The sound healing approach is kind of different insofar as it, it, it goes into those places and it kind of dissolves them really gently. So it's not like you have to relive your trauma, mm-hmm. but it just helps just to just to let things go gradually. Um, it doesn't have to be done for extreme things either. It's like you can go for a massage um, once a year mm. and it's lovely. It's not going to make your body great the whole time Mm. but when you go it's just a really nice relaxing thing to do and the sound healing is the same you know it's it's like you can go once every so often and it's just like you feel really nice and relaxed after it or you can do it more often and then it can it can work a bit more deeply okay okay so I suppose it depends on how often you do it but would would I be correct in saying that yeah, I mean, if you had, you know, if something going on with you, um, you know, several sessions can be good to work mm. on a particular particular issue. And I suppose as well how it works is it's it's like if we think of the body as an instrument and sometimes our instrument goes a little bit out of tune and the sound healing is actually retuning the body. Okay. On all the different and and the different levels and the way we do this is we we offer sounds. So sounds of different frequency and they kind of resonate in our body and they come into into alignment. They've done these really cool experiments before where they put all these grandfather clocks in a room together and they were all kind of ticking at slightly different mm. times. And then 
after a certain amount of time, they all just regulate. They all oh. tick together. So it's that principle that's kind of in, in play. Okay. So when you're, when you're bringing that sound, it just, it's like the body kind of goes towards it. And this was another way of thinking that it's like, it's if you're singing with somebody and if you purposely sing the wrong note or slightly out of tune, unless you're used to singing harmonies, you'll follow them. Mm-hmm. Your voice will follow them mm-hmm. and you'll sing the same thing. So it's the same kind of idea that we're doing with the sound. There's loads of different ways you can do these sounds. So we're here in my sound healing heaven at Longstrand. So you can see, well, you can't see the, the <laughs> listener, but um, we have like lots of instruments around here. I've got like a big gong. I've got chimes, drums, um, singing bowls. And these all offer different qualities, different different frequencies and I trained with my voice so I use my voice as well so it's really just tuning into the person or the situation and giving what's what's needed okay yeah and how how did you become a sound healer well I always loved singing singing and music have Mm. been have been my thing and I wanted to be a singer when I was very young and somehow in my teens, I can't even remember deciding that I couldn't be a singer because it was almost like a given. Mm. You'd have to do something sensible and, you know, she couldn't be doing that. So I just let it go. And it's kind of sad because I, I can't even remember consciously letting it go. It just, it, I felt like it wasn't an option. And then... Uh, I suppose when my kids were small, I wanted to, I'd been working with my husband as an ecologist for nearly, you know, 20 years kind of thing. And I wanted to do something a little bit different. I wanted to do something more creative. So I thought I'm going to go back to the singing thing. Mm. And I started, you know, writing songs and poems. And I thought, okay, maybe I can be a singer now. It's not going to be the singer I thought I was going to be when I was seven. Mm. But um, that's kind of what I want to do. So I was kind of exploring that. But then, you know, with two small boys and just being that little bit older, I didn't really want to be, you know, out all the time or being away. You know, and singing in pubs really wasn't what I wanted to do because mm. my my music is more, I suppose there's a lot of meaning in it. There's a lot of lyrics. And sometimes, you know, I I felt like I was singing in the wrong places. Mm. And I might have well sang blah, blah, blah. Mm. Whereas I was, you know, pouring my heart, you know. So I was like, this isn't quite it. Yeah. And then I discovered sound healing. I still go to this this beautiful eco camp in Tipperary um, called Earthsong every year. And it's fantastic because it is a, a beautiful space in nature where you get to sing and drum and experience lots of different things um, in a lovely kind of safe family environment where we're camping and there's no electronics, there's no distractions. Um, and there was a, a lovely lady there, Chris Blanchard, who um, did sound healing workshops and she did and um, does amazing sound baths and I went to one of her workshops and I was just blown away by how within an hour she had us doing little treatments on each other mm-hmm. and how effective it was and um, how 
this is a way we can use our voices and you don't have to, you know, you don't have to have any special gifts really in a way. Mm. It's about your intention and intention is so much a part of sound healing, which is really interesting as well. So like when we're doing a sound healing session, we set our intention that it's for the highest good and that the, the, the sounds that are needed will come through. And so there's a real trust in that process. And that's kind of that's more than half <laughs> the half the battle, really. Yeah. And then there's the person coming as well. And it's really I see it as um, as a co-creation because somebody has to come. They have to say, I would like some sound healing and they have to lie down. And there's a beautiful vulnerability in that. Mm. You know, there's all these different little things come together to kind of make it it very special and it satisfied my need for singing and expressing and also it it fulfilled that creative part as well mm. because when i'm doing a session for someone i sing medicine songs for them and i don't know what they're going to be like sometimes they're kind of beautiful and sometimes they're like i'm thinking oh this person's going to think i have a note in my head but I have to trust that the sound, the sounds that are needed come through. Okay. So it's different to performing because when you're performing, you have a song and you want to sing it the best way you can, mm -hmm. which is fair enough. There's nothing wrong with that. But when you're doing a sound healing medicine song, you want to bring through the songs, the sounds and the melodies that will really touch that person and really help them to, to connect with themselves. It's like a reflection of them could be a reflection of their journey and it's all non-verbal so you don't have to go into your head about it but for me that's beautiful because I feel like I'm really experiencing that person on a different level mm -hmm. and I don't know what it's what it's going to be so for me that's that's very fulfilling so is it you don't really know when when, when someone comes for a, say a sound healing session you don't know how it's going to go in terms of or you don't know what's going to come out as such in terms of the sound. It just. Yeah. Well, I mean, in my training, I've learned different techniques, you know, for balancing the chakras. And, you know, I have a f I have formats that mm -hmm. I've learned, but I suppose over the years I've added in my own bits as well. So for me, it's it's a, it's intuitive. It's like I have my plan. But I'm always ready to ditch the plan if I need to. Okay, okay. And like in terms of what instruments I use, I kind of allow myself to be guided. So mm. I don't decide before someone comes, oh, I'm going to play this and this and this for them. There's mm. some things that are kind of that I love that I do add into most sessions. Mm. But sometimes the session will go a little bit differently. Okay. Depending on what the person needs. Okay, okay. Fair enough. And what are the different services you offer? So, so I'm kind of doing a lot of things at the moment. Um, but sound healing is is maybe my 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 biggest thing. So within sound healing, so I offer one to one sound sound healing sessions here in the cabin. I also work work on Zoom, and um, I love actually working online because even though it's amazing when you're in person, and in some ways you can't beat being in person. It's also amazing what you can achieve on Zoom. And I love that idea that, you know, you can be connected with someone at the other side mm. of the world. And um, I suppose in the early days before I got my microphone sorted, um, I actually the sound was really, really bad. <laughs> I had no idea how bad my sound was because um, 
it's different when you're speaking and when you're doing those different settings yeah. when you're doing music mm. and Zoom cuts things after about four seconds. Mm-hmm. But I didn't realize this at the start. So I'd be starting the gong and the other person, the gong would cut out oh, gosh. and there was a lot of distortion. But what was really interesting in those early sessions was that, you know, the person on the other side was feeling relaxed. They were um, falling asleep. They were having the exact same reactions that somebody would have here, mm. except maybe it, it wasn't, it didn't sound as nice. Mm-hmm. So that really showed me that, that this, this work is very powerful. And so it doesn't, it doesn't actually matter if you can hear it properly mm, or not, mm. but obviously it's nicer if you can. Yeah. So now I have a, a much better setup and I'm really happy with the, the quality of, mm-hmm. of the sound. So it's really nice um, to work with people, work with different people around the world. Um, yeah, so that's the, the one-to-ones. I do little groups here as well, like group sound baths. I do... I do retreats and um, we did a lovely retreat there a couple of weeks ago for um, Little Women's Christmas. Oh, lovely. Yeah. So that was lovely. So we had a lovely group of ladies. I mean, it's only small groups, like yeah. only, you know, four or five people because the space isn't mm. huge. But we go down to the beach as part of it. And that's a big part of my work as well as bringing in nature. Mm. So like I worked obviously for a long time as an ecologist and the nature aspect is really important. And I suppose what I'm exploring now or laterally in my work is the kind of the fluffy, <laughs> the fluffy bits of, you know, because I've done the science thing and, you know, mm. it's all very serious and it's great. But um, in that, I remember when we were in college, like we were all so intellectual and, you know, and, and everything. And but the reason I came to the whole thing was through my heart mm. was because I love nature, because I love birds um, and because I love being in nature. Mm. But it was almost like you, you couldn't talk about that. It had to be all about science. Mm. And now I'm like, do you know what? It doesn't have to be all about science. Mm. And I'm really enjoying that aspect now. Mm. So. It's about bringing people into nature and helping them to connect. Okay. Because like we may not be living in a rainforest, but I mean, in West Cork, we're spoiled. It's Mm. beautiful. We've got beautiful surroundings. We've got the ocean. And I think, you know, just even being in nature is therapeutic. Mm. So part of my retreat days is I bring people down to the beach and we do a little medicine walk. So that's like where we do silent, we we kind of walk around ourselves, but we're really exploring the senses of what you can smell, what you can hear, what you can see. And I like it. It's kind of like a little quest and especially on the beach, because you never know what you're going to find mm-hmm. on the beach. And so I love that, that you walk around and I invite people to maybe pick up a stone or a stick or something, something that they find. And it gives them a little bit of meaning. And it's also something that they've they found themselves. Mm-hmm. And I have like, I have a lot of stones around the place. Uh, so I, yeah, I have the beach. And <laughs> I collect a lot of stones. Yeah. But on the beach here in Longstrand, we get um, a lot of white quartz mm. as well. And I find that amazing. It's just, you know, it is a crystal. It is very grounding Um, very, it's in just holding the stones in your hands can really kind of bring you back into yourself. So it's about spending that time. And then we do some sounding. 
and together we we I show people how to balance their chakras using very simple sounds so anybody can do it. But it's nice doing it by the sea because it's very loud down there and mm. if you're feeling a bit shy or whatever it's yeah. it's easier. Um and it it's just it's just lovely. So we have that connection with nature. Then we come back here, we do a sound bath. And also when I'm doing my work here now I have like lots of windows so I'm looking out and the the outside I invite the outside in if that mm. makes sense so I'll notice different things you know it might be different birds or it might be a very windy day or it could be the water or the reeds something will kind of be will feel important mm. and that kind of come becomes part of the session mm -hmm. so I will see things and as I'm doing my medicine song, I'm weaving those elements in. So there's really, it's really trying to bring that nature in into the session. And it's lovely here, you know, when it's stormy yeah. and the wind and, you know, it's cozy, mm. but it's all part of it. it. It's like reminding us that we're part of the elements, you know, that we're yeah. part of all this. And I think that's something that maybe we have become estranged where we think about nature being separate mm. from us. And obviously, yes, as a race, we've done terrible things or still doing terrible things, but we're still actually, we are a part of nature. Mm. And it's really kind of coming back to that importance, you know, and as individuals, we're not all bad, mm. you know, and what is bad anyway? Exactly. You know, so it, it's, it's like, you know, sometimes we, we just feel so disconnected and it's, it can be so easy to plug in, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. it can be as easy as going out and sitting on the grass, yeah. sitting on the beach, looking at the sea. It doesn't have to be big, you know, lying down the ground, looking at the sky. It's easy. So as well as the, the kind of day retreats, I also do overnight retreats. So I have, we have um, a little Airbnb chalet, Shearwater okay. chalet in the garden as well, which is kind of behind the cabin. Which is amazing. <laughs> I would recommend anyone's come down here. It's amazing. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah, we have like just Airbnb guests coming mm. and sometimes they'll come for, for a sound healing session as well. But I do like two or three night retreats where I go, you know, spend longer with people mm. and, and that can be really nice. It can be really nice as well if people just need to take a pause in their life. There's something going on. Um, It's just really nice to just kind of step off the planet, come down here and and there's plenty of time for yourself mm. to to journal or to walk. And that's what I recommend people do is that they don't kind of they're not too busy. It's not a sightseeing thing, mm. but it's like we've loads of walks here with by the lake and the woods and the sea. So there's mm. plenty of things you can do kind of going nowhere. Um, so that's that's the other part that I, I do. And I also do work online. I have um, an online women's circle, okay. which is lovely. So I've taken a little pause um, since Christmas with that, but I'll be starting that up again later on in the year. But with that, we meet twice a month online and we we have a, a sharing circle mm -hmm. because it's really it's called sound self-care. And it's it's really about taking that time for your self-care. And what I find sometimes is like we all have these great plans and we forget to do them. And by actually having this check in once a month, it's it's really good because it can kind of keep you focused mm. 
and we do some sounding together as well. I show people how to do simple sounding exercises and how to use sound themselves. But it's lovely just having that space where you're sharing because you're sharing stuff specifically about your self-care. Mm. And that's kind of something that you mightn't talk to other people about because it's never high priority. Yeah. So you might tell your friends your problems or whatever, but you you mightn't think of talking about how you don't take that walk that you want to take. So and it, and it just gives you just it gives you a focus, a focal point. And then the second time we meet them, we have um, a sound bath. OK. And that's a recorded that this is recorded. So you can listen to that then back whenever. What is a sound bath? Sound bath is like is is a sound healing session for a group of people. OK. So if I'm doing a sound healing session for one person, I'm tuning into that one person and it's all about them. Mm-hmm. When a group of people come together, quite often they're it's almost like there's a group energy. So quite often people will have a lot in common. It just kind of happens okay. that the people will come along and there'll be a theme going. And so we'll explore a theme because I do angel card readings as well. Mm-hmm. So I don't offer the angel card reading separately. I used to in the past, but I found that I don't think it was beneficial because sometimes people are coming for a reading and they're like, they want an answer. Yeah. And they actually want a particular answer. and. That's not the kind of readings I do. Mm-hmm. And it's not, I don't think it's empowering. All this, my work is about empowering people. It's about creating this space where they can feel connected to themselves mm-hmm. and then they can feel connected to others and that they can kind of flow into their lives and that they feel empowered. If you come to someone and you ask them, what's the story with this? Like, or should I leave him? Or, you know, you know, these big questions, mm. they're so weighted. Like, I'm not psychic, but like, even if I was and I said, oh yeah, ditch him. You know, that's not empowering no. for somebody else yeah. to tell you that about something in your life. You need to make the decision. Yourself. You need to make that mm. decision yourself and and feel empowered to make the decision. And again, it comes down to mistakes. Mm. It doesn't matter. Like there isn't a mistake. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Mm. You'll you'll make the decision and you'll get information from mm. that. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's like it's again, it's again, it's about that leaning into trust. Whereas I find the the readings really good because they shed a bit of light there. It's about gentle guidance. It's about aspects that you mightn't have considered. Mm-hmm. And it's like a third party, you know. So again, it, it's not, it's spiritual, but it's not religious. And, you know, you don't have to believe it. Mm. You can say, no, I don't want the reading. But it's funny. I was doing a sound bath for a lovely couple who were staying in our Airbnb. And um, when it came to the, the card reading, the lady said, she said, um, there's just one thing about the, the card reading, you know, she said, do I do I have to believe in angels? And I said, no, of course not. And I said, look, we don't have to do it if you don't want to. And she goes, oh, no, no, I want to do it. Just once I don't have to believe anything. So I said, yeah, perfect. Okay. So and she wasn't under any pressure. Then I said, look, we'll do the reading and you just take it or leave it. Mm. You know, that's always with anything. It's always an offering. And um, and the the reading really resonated with her. Okay, okay. you know, oh, so yeah. it's like you can accept it on any level mm. that you want. Mm. So I bring it into the sound healing, and I normally bring it in at the end, because when you've experienced the sound healing, it's you know slows down your nervous system, it relaxes you, and you just become open. So when you come in, you might have a fixed idea about something, but then. You know, quite often when I ask the people, do they want to ask a question or Mm. do they just want to know what the angels want them to know? Mm. 
99% of people will say, what am I meant to know today? Whereas when they come in, they wouldn't be able to do that. Mm -hmm. And then they, they get the message and then they're, they're like, oh, yeah. And then it'll filter down on different levels and it's very up to them whether they take it on board or not. The cards might shed a bit of light about something that might come up in the session. Mm-hmm. And so it all kind of comes together. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And then the other kind of side of my work as well, that's a little bit different, is the ukulele. So mm-hmm. teaching, yeah. teaching the ukulele. So I'm doing online courses with that. Okay. Yeah. Very good. Do you feel like we engage enough with our environment? I don't think so. I mm. don't think so. I think our lives are very much indoors. Mm. Like we're very busy. We're very digitally orientated now. We're on our phone. So even if we're walking on the beach, you could be talking on the phone or you could be texting or whatever. So you might think you're kind of outside engaging, but you mightn't actually be. Mm. And then it's it's like our lives are kind of like, you know, our outdoor bits are like the walk or mm. getting out of the car and going to work. So I think we're not. I think we're missing a lot. We're missing a lot of like the change of the seasons, of the small little changes that take place all the time. And then if you think of at night, we don't we don't go outside at night really either. So there's the whole stars and the moon. You know, if you think of our ancestors, they would have been out so much more that all these things would be innate. Mm. Um, and there's so there's so many levels, really, you know, even just fresh air, mm. just being outside, having fresh air and just seeing small things. So that's why I like the medicine walk on the beach as mm. well, because sometimes when especially on this beach, people are, are walking, they're walking the beach and they're going for their coffee, which is brilliant. But you're walking with a mission. Yeah. And this medicine walk is still with a mission, but, you know, you might be walking around in circles or you might stop and you might sit down. So it's really about slowing down and zooming in on those small, small things. Mm. And when you look like um, when the tide is out, you get these little um, periwinkles, they come out and they graze on the, the seaweed. But like unless you get down on your knees and look, you're never going to see them. It's a, that's actually an interesting point about saying, you know, that people, we kind of go for walks, whatever, but we're going for a mission, you know, okay, I have this amount of time to do this. And yeah. as opposed to maybe just kind of don't just go for a walk, maybe just take a moment, you know, or a few moments just to kind of appreciate our surroundings and just become a little bit more involved in our surroundings. Yeah. yeah. You know, even if you have a garden or something that you, you might bring your cup of tea out you know, on a day that's not nice, because mm, mm. I mean, you know, we're always waiting for mm. the nice days in Ireland, dress up warm. And then, you know, just even be 10 minutes yeah, sitting outside, listening to the birds, looking around can be really good. It might be better than that 40 minute power walk that you just did. <laughs> might be better for you. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah I yeah. mean, for me, walks have always been like, I'm a slow walker yeah. and I look at everything and most of my walks are sitting guys sit down and yeah. journal or have little picnics yeah. but it's it's how I can kind of connect and mm. I know a few years ago I started you know starting to get into cycling again and my husband's really into cycling and I went off I was gone for three and a half hours or something so he came back and he was all excited it's like oh yeah where did where'd you go <laughs> I was like well I went to the other end of the beach oh, and I God. went down to the cliff 
and uh, I had a picnic and I did some writing and actually had a gorgeous sleep in the sun. <laughs> 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 I, you know, I came back like and I had cycled about, I mean, the cycle was lovely, but yeah. you know, I'd cycled about four kilometres. Yeah, yeah, but sure. But I had an, a, gr- a great time. Yeah. I was just so happy. Yeah, exactly. Sure. <laughs> Isn't that wonderful? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> very good. And music is obviously a very important part of your life and you offer ukulele lessons. What's so good about ukulele? Oh, everything is good about okay. ukulele. Um, I, well, as I said, like I've coming from a, a singing perspective and when you sing, it's really nice to be able to accompany yourself. And over the years, you know, different times you'd be out somewhere and someone would accompany you on guitar or whatever. But it always struck me that you know, it was very hit and miss. Mm-hmm. And even if you'd an amazing musician, they were like, oh, I know that song. And you're like, yeah, but I want to sing it slower. I want to sing it different. And they wouldn't listen to you. Mm. They just do it. And then you'd have to sing it the way you didn't want to sing it. Mm. I tried guitar over the years, but, you know, I found it really hard and um, it didn't sound good. I couldn't get the hang of F. <laughs> and really, if you can play F, then you might as well give up. No, I probably didn't try hard enough. And also, like when you've got a, a guitar and you bring a guitar somewhere, everyone's like, oh, you play music. And then you're like, oh, my God, am I good enough? Um, and it, it feels like a statement. Yeah. Whereas you can have your ukulele in your pocket. Mm-hmm. If you change your mind, you can be like, no one even sees it mm-hmm. anyway. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's just you can bring it anywhere. And F is really easy, by the way. <laughs> There's only four strings. Okay. And yeah, a friend of mine at a party years ago, she showed me her ukulele and uh, she showed me how to play F and I tried it. I was like, oh my God, that's it. And I went <laughs> off and I bought a ukulele. I never looked back. So it's just lovely. It's yeah. a lovely, um, friendly instrument. Mm. It's, it's affordable. Like you, they come in all prices, but I mean, really, you can pick up something really cheap mm. to learn on and the quality of them is improving all the time. Okay. Um, I started teaching ukulele and I only teach adults because I want to help people who maybe have never learned to play an instrument before or think it's too late or they're shy about singing. It's just helping people to sing in a kind of a, a natural, fun, mm-hmm. fun way. Mm-hmm. And it, it gives me great joy to hear that you know, people are singing there at home or they're singing with their kids or whatever, because singing like nature is part of us. Mm. And we've we've kind of let that go, especially maybe in our society, whereas, you know, it's like the good singers sing and, you know, we have, you know, we've access to so much music, which is amazing. But then we kind of feel like, oh, kind of to need, leave it to the professionals, whereas actually singing is good for everyone mm. and everyone should sing, but everyone doesn't need to perform. You know? It's a good point, yeah. Just because you're not going to be a singer doesn't mean you shouldn't sing. Mm-hmm. I think everyone should sing every day, but for themselves. It's lovely to sing with other people. It's lovely to sing, you know, to be comfortable if you're in a situation where people are having a sing song and then you're like, okay, I have my few songs that I can sing. But it's also good just to sing on your own when mm. you're washing the dishes, when you're going for your walk or, or whatever. So it's just good. It's good for our mental health. It just makes us happy, produces endorphins. Like there's so many good things about it. Mm. It doesn't matter what you sound like, Mm. you know, you'll still get those happy feelings when you're singing. Mm. Mm. So and I think a lot of people have been, you know, at school were told not to sing in the choir. They were told to mime. 
And I meet a lot of people who are kind of still kind of afraid to use their voice now because of those early experiences. Mm. Speaking of singing, you've recently formed a singing group called Sacred Songs. Can you tell us a little about that? Yeah, so this is really exciting. So myself and my sister Lou, Mm -hmm. we have been singing together for years. Mm -hmm. So we used to go to singing lessons when we were young. We've always been singing in harmony. We had a family band with myself, my sister singing, my dad, who's very musical, playing keyboards husband on drums and then we had a friend Linda who was Linda Coyle she's playing the flute so we were doing Latin jazz which is yeah. great fun and then we went to Earth Song and we discovered Kirtan so Kirtan's kind of like a, a devotional singing that would be used very much in like Hindu religions mm. other religions so in some contexts it's it can be very religious mm-hmm. so we went along to this one morning you know didn't know what it was and we came out, we're just blown away because you're singing these songs in Sanskrit, which is like ancient Indian kind mm-hmm. of language. Very simple songs, but you can go into harmonies if you like. And they have beautiful meanings to them. But even without knowing the meanings and just repeating these mantras, you go into a kind of a meditation. So I've always found meditation kind of difficult, especially guided meditations, because I'm not very visual. Mm -hmm. So I remember when I was trying too hard, I was listening to a a guided meditation with white light and the lady, imagine now white light. I was like, I can't see white. I can't see white. It's not working. I was like, this is so hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It just, I'm more of a feeling person. Mm. But just singing in that space, I was like, I could just feel this bliss and this joy and it's just, I was just away in this in this bubble and it was just gorgeous. So, yeah, so me and my sister was like, right, we got it. We got to do this. And then this year, um, Lou met this lovely girl, Isha Jackson, and she was at Earth Song as well. And she was like, oh, I'd love to do kirtan. So we got together. So the three of us now are doing this, offering these kirtans. Mm. So I suppose for us, it's not religious per se. It is spiritual. For us, it's more ecumenical, you know, everybody's Mm. welcome. Again, it's about singing in community. Mm -hmm. So again, you know, we teach people a chance and they can join in. Okay. And then we have chai and snacks and chats afterwards. We're not doing all Sanskrit chants. We're we're kind of doing other things from around the world. And also we've written our own chants as well. Okay. Yeah, we're doing them as well. So they'll be in English. Mm. Um, Isha's done one that has some Irish in it as well. So we're doing them in Cork like once a month now in the Brew. Okay. In the Brew Cullen Bands yeah. at Wilton. Oh, yeah. And that's a lovely space. Really nice. And we're starting to do them down in Clannacilty as well. Oh, very good. Yeah. What, so, watch um, this space. So. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, it's really nice. Yeah, yeah. Just just bringing that sense of community. And you're an author and a poet and have self-published your own book, Letting Go. How was that process? Uh, that was huge, actually. Yeah. Huge for me. So the story behind it was in 2005, I was pregnant with my first baby, mm. um, a little boy, and he actually died prematurely at 27 weeks. And obviously that was very upsetting and, and huge, but it was also a very spiritual time for me. Okay. I suppose that was kind of an awakening for me in, mm. some, in some ways, and it made me reevaluate a lot of things in my life, as death does. Yeah. And I had a lot of amazing experiences, whereas before... Like I was very always interested in spirituality, but it was I would read books about other people's experiences and think things happened to other people. And then 
with Alan's passing, I could kind of sense him and it was like my own experience and he was my my person on the other side. Mm. And that was that was really big. So Alan, I feel like brought me lots of gifts, lots of good things happened to me as well, kind of as a result of of him being in my life. And I wanted to honor him by writing a book. Mm -hmm. And that felt very strong that I would write this book. Obviously, that was quite daunting, but I thought, yeah, I'll do this. So I didn't really know what was going to be in the book. I thought at first that maybe because I have like a scientific background, I'm used to writing reports. So I know how to do research. And so I thought, oh, maybe I'm going to do all this research on grief and I'm going to write a book about grief with loads of references in it and everything, kind of like a textbook. Mm. And then I was thinking, that's not it. And that didn't feel like, oh, I'd Mm. love to do that. (laughs) It felt like work. Yeah. I was like, no, that's not it. Like around the time I did keep a diary because I didn't want to, I didn't want to forget anything Mm because things happen quickly and you've such a short amount of time that I wanted to be able to remember everything. So I kept a diary and I thought, okay, well, I could have, I could put the diary in, but it's not that long. Mm. It felt like there was going to be a part A and a part B and I didn't know what the part B was. So I joined the the writers group, the creative writers group in Clannacilty in the library. And they were, oh, it's such a gorgeous group. Um, still going strong, by the way. Mm. And I was too shy to read my diaries because I thought I, I wasn't really that comfortable talking about Alan yet. Mm. I felt embarrassed by my writing because when you write your diary, you're writing it for yourself. Mm-hmm. And when you're writing an essay or something else, you, you know, you try to make it sound good. Mm-hmm. And I hadn't. This was my diary from my heart. Mm. What we do at the library is you bring along a little sample of your work mm-hmm. and people will give you feedback. And they're always really nice. They give you really encouraging things, but it can be really helpful mm-hmm. um, and get really good pointers. So I thought I'm not ready to share my work yet. So I was writing poems and songs and they were all kind of influenced by what had happened. So I thought, well, yeah, I can share a poem, I can share a song. And I eventually realized that that was this part B of the book. Okay. okay. <laughs> some of these songs and yeah. poems I was writing while I was like, I can't, can't go, quite go there yet. Um, so yeah, that's what my book is. And I also, as I said, like love going down the beach and being in nature. So I take a lot of pictures. So I wanted to bring my pictures into that. Mm-hmm. So my book is full of photographs okay so it was weaving those things together and so the process I thought this is great now I'm nearly got my book together about my son it's all about Alan and then like even the title of my book is letting go a mother's healing journey through diaries poetry and song and at some stage it's suddenly because I did um, a kickstarter fund Mm. and I had to try and get funds to to self-publish And then suddenly I realized I was the focus of attention. Mm. I had to be seen. And then it's like, I realized that the book, you know, it's a lot about me. And I was like, oh God, I would never have written a book about myself. Yeah. But it was kind of too late. Yeah. (laughs) And I knew I was meant to write the book, but it was like somehow there was like a little trick played on me. Mm. And, And then it was too late. I was like, okay, you know. 
got to do this. So it it made me have to to come out and, and be seen. Mm. That was very big for me because I suppose I'd always kind of maybe hadn't fully expressed myself. Mm-hmm. And that that is part of, of my journey is about expression. Yeah, it was amazing like to to do it. And Ronan Murray up in Artfield, um, he was the the publisher. Mm-hmm. And he was great. Like mm. he did all the graphic design and he helped me. We also did a, a CD with that. Okay. Because I wanted to do the CD from my uncle because his eyesight was gone really bad. And I thought, okay, I'll make the CD and he'd be able to listen to it. Now, oh, sadly, no. he passed away. So I dedicated the, the CD to him. But so I have all the poems and the songs on the CD and that kind of goes with the book. Okay. So yeah, so like Ronan was able to record me as well. He did the recording, he mm. did all the editing. And so it was, it was great. That side of the process was fantastic. So you kind of turned what was a very difficult moment in your life. It was quite transformative. It was a very, obviously a very therapeutic process and it kind of made you come out of yourself maybe in a way that you might not have done yeah had that not has happened to you yeah definitely and you know it it taught me so much on so many levels and I suppose like we all experience loss Mm. like sometimes people won't read my book because they figure out what it's about and they're like oh no I couldn't read that or it's not relevant, but it's really, we have universal losses, Mm -hmm. you know, they can be on any different scale, but we've all lost people we love, or we've lost a job, or we've lost something, Mm. or feel we've lost a part of ourselves. And this book is really to create hope as well, I think, because sometimes Mm. people feel very hopeless. Mm. And I think one of the huge gifts that I was given was the grace of acceptance. Mm. And I see like a lot of our pain is when we can't accept things. Mm. So when somebody dies, we're like, this shouldn't have happened. Or you go down the blame route. Oh, they didn't do that right. Or, you know, he was too young or, you know, there's all these things that we're fighting it. So we can never, we can never find peace. Mm. And even though I obviously didn't want Alan to die, when it happened, I knew immediately that it wasn't a mistake, Mm -hmm. that this was when to happen. Mm. And so even though I was very, very upset and I was grieving, I didn't have the fight. Mm -hmm. So I felt really I'd been gifted with grace, the Mm -hmm. grace of acceptance. And it's also about meaning as well, because when we go through whatever we go through in our lives, it's hard enough. But if there is no meaning, if something was just a mistake or shouldn't have happened or was because of someone else's negligence, well, then it's very, very difficult um, I think when we have meaning for something, it even if we don't understand the meaning, it can really help us. You also have your own blog. Do you feel self-expression is important? And is it something that everyone should engage in more? I think so. Mm-hmm. I think so. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm hoping this year to do more blogging. Mm. But I think that we all have the kind of the right to express ourselves. Mm. And to do that, it just creates all these different flavors in the world. Mm -hmm. And I think we are in a very conformist time. And maybe as humans, we've always conformed. Like, Mm. you know, even if you look at different tribes, they have different ways of doing things. Mm -hmm. It might be different to another tribe, but there's the way. So I think in some ways we do have maybe conformity in some ways is built into us because it makes life easy so that you don't have to decide everything in every moment Mm. it's like you know you have these little routines but 
within that, I think we all have something to offer. Mm-hmm. And again, it can be for yourself. You know, it's like you don't have to be an artist to sit down and paint a picture because it's in doing it you feel that expression and we're all creative you know you might be a fantastic cook or there's lots of ways that you can kind of feed your creativity Mm. and I think that helps with this it gives meaning to Mm. our lives Mm -hmm. and we need to give ourselves that time to relax and to be connected Mm -hmm. I think creativity does that for me anyway Mm -hmm. I always feel very connected once I've written something or with singing or things like that. So I think it's great if people find their own flavor and it allows people to be themselves. Yeah. And is it difficult to marry what you do, which is so spiritual with the need to run a successful business, which can be a bit harsh? Yes. (laughs) Yes and no. (laughs) Like I've done a lot of um, courses and stuff around business and I do find business quite interesting. Okay. But... I like more like I like going on business courses. I don't necessarily like applying at all. (laughs) It's an energy exchange. Mm -hmm. And sometimes there's an expectation that if you're in the healing world or music, and it was the same when I was when I did ecology. It's like if you're interested in nature, you need to do it. Everything you do should be for nothing. So that's a kind of a conception. So a lot of bringing your passion into a business, it is a lot of mindset work needs to okay. be done. The, the work I do is very spiritual, but it's also quite spiritual to receive something in return for it. You know, so, I mean, it is, it is a balance. You don't think they share against each other there? I don't think they have to. Mm-hmm. I don't think they have it's to. It's your perspective, I suppose. Yeah. And I've had some, like some lovely mentors and I've been in, in lovely groups And I'm in Network Ireland as well. And it's like there's a lot of there's a lot of support there. Mm -hmm. And it's really nice, you know, that we're we're bringing each other along. And again, it comes down to allowing yourself to be yourself and to do what you want. You know, because if you think about it, it's a funny kind of permission thing. So if you meet somebody that's got this great job in tech or, you know, whatever, and they're being paid, you know, huge amounts of money. If they're your friends, you'd be like, well done. Isn't that great? Do you know? You're just delighted for them. Mm-mm. But if they did it themselves or they charged that amount, you're like, oh, you know, it's this, this, like a sensor thing. Yeah, yeah. It's okay if some third party does it. Mm. And I think part of the journey as well is, is giving yourself permission. Yeah. Permission to do what you want or to charge what you want, whatever that might be. Mm-mm. Even if it's not to charge, Mm-mm. you know what I mean? Mm-mm. But it's like that you determine yourself and that you don't have to worry about what others are going to say. So talking about, you know, that and you're a big advocate of self-care. What is the one self-care tip you would give to people? Um, I think grounding. Yeah. Grounding for me, that is the biggest thing because we're all busy. We're all trying to juggle all these different things. And, you know, we're going on to the next thing. And part of us is still trying to process what happens. There's no, not necessarily enough processing time. Like really, we should have a little, even if it's only five minutes in between activities where we just sit still and go, okay, what just happened? Yeah. And then move on. A little time out, you can use sound to ground you like really quickly. Mm-hmm. Like, and, and it's very simple. You can do it yourself, like using a deep sound of ooh. 
Okay. Will we just try it? Okay. Okay. So if you want to close your eyes and I'm going to breathe in and I'm going to do three long oohs. Okay. So you can join in if you want. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> or you can just listen. Yeah. Okay. So breathing in. And gently opening your eye. It's quite a therapeutic sound, isn't it? You know, it's quite, um, listening to it, it's quite, you know, it, it just brings you. Yeah. That's what you mean by grounding, is it? Yeah. It just. It yeah. brings you into your body. Yeah. It's coming from like a real inner part of you, if you get mm. me, you know, that sound. Yeah. So it's like it can change how yeah. you're feeling. I mean, and that like took like um, two minutes. Yeah, I, I just, the sound is quite, um, I, I can't even find the words for it, you know. I, I'm just surprised by how, mm. uh, how much of an effect it has, to yeah. be honest. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And it's very simple. Yeah. That also works with your root chakra. Mm. It is bringing you into your body. And we have other vowel sounds that we can use for the other chakras okay. in the body. What are your chakras? So your chakras are these energy centers in your body. That mm. It's kind of in the Eastern tradition. They're like little wheels that spin energetically. Mm -hmm. And when they're all spinning freely, we're all, we're in alignment okay. with everything. We're feeling good. Um, but sometimes they get stuck mm -hmm. for loads of different reasons. I suppose it's like having a spiritual shower. Mm -hmm. It's just clearing them out. Yeah, okay. And it can be done very simply. Um, and again, you could do that in the shower, yeah. literally, with um, just going through the chakra sounds. So on my website, I have a sign up for a newsletter that I send out every every month. Mm -hmm. And if, if you sign up to that, you get a recording that goes through those sounds. Oh, right. OK. So you can listen to along to it mm. if you just while you're learning it. It's yeah. very simple, but mm. even very simple things if you, you know, Next week, you kind of go, that was so simple. I can't remember what it yeah. is. So I think it's nice to have the recording. Yeah, yeah. You could download it onto your phone or something. Okay. And then if you were at work and you're like, okay, I can't actually do these funny sounds just now. You can just listen, listen to, to it. it. Yeah. So by listening to it, it will work. Mm -hmm. mm. And if you could go back in time and give yourself one piece of advice, what would it be? I suppose the main thing is about self-trust. Okay. Trust yourself and don't worry about so much about what other people think. Mm-hmm. And I think that, especially when I was younger, that would have held me back a lot. Mm -hmm. Not just going with what I kind of really knew myself, mm -hmm. because it's not so much that I'd have been right. 
but that it would have been okay. Okay. It would have been right for you at that time. Yeah. You know? And just not being afraid to make mistakes. Mm. Mistakes are brilliant. They're a brilliant way of getting information. <laughs> <laughs> Knowing what you don't want to do. And you, you learn so much from it. Yeah. I'm an expert in mistake making. So. Brilliant. <laughs> so yeah. So I mean, I suppose, you know, it's still in progress. But yeah, yeah just being, allowing yourself to make mistakes. Mm. Because it's great and it gives you so much information going forward Mm -hmm. about what you don't want or (laughs) how you do want to do. You know, you can, of course, correct. Mm. And what's your plans for the coming months and year ahead? Well, (laughs) Mm -hmm. I'm going on a big trip with my family, my husband and two sons, two teenage boys. Lovely. We talked about it for years, but we're going away for two months and we're going to New Zealand and Borneo. Oh, and yeah. God. yeah so it's our around the world trip we're kind of reliving our youth when we went off around the world back in 2000 and we're going to visit some lovely friends in New Zealand which are really oh, amazing really looking forward to seeing but them. amazing to bring your boys with you you know yes. what an experience as a family like amazing yeah yeah wow yeah so that's kind of taking up a lot of my attention at the moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's going to be big because obviously at their ages, like they're mm. 13 and 16. So this is kind of our one chance to do this yeah. as a family. Mm. And yeah, so it'll be lovely because we're all into wildlife and uh, we have all the, the books and we're going to Costa Rica as well on the way back because um, Jamie researched this is the best place to get certain frogs. Oh, wow. He's big into um, <laughs> reptiles and frogs and everything. So. Okay. How amazing for them, like how amazing it's going to be for you all. It's going to be an amazing trip. Yeah, uh, it's also a kind of um, a break Mm. in our lives. Mm. And I was thinking like I've often thought about COVID, how COVID was a break in our collective Mm. lives. You know, obviously there was a lot of negative things, but then there was a lot of things that, you know, people did slow down or, Mm. you know, it did make people change what they were doing, what, you know, it it had positive effects like that, that people questioned why were they doing certain things? So that was good. But I was thinking like for all the good or bad it did, it was kind of imposed on us. And this is a break that we're kind of doing ourselves. Mm. And it's a positive one, Mm. you know. I'm kind of looking forward to just having more creative space, Mm. opening up to new possibilities, Mm. Mm. you know. A voluntary reset so for you as such this trip. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Sounds good to me. I'm very jealous. Well, thanks, Claire, for having me in your beautiful home. If you'd like to learn more about Claire and her work, you can find links to her social media on website on courtcreative.ie. Oh, thanks for me, Dirty. Mm-hmm.